simultaneously, I think there's there's a bit of the nonprofit industry that I wouldn't say like needs to change, but needs to really value things that that will impact their their organizations for the better. All right. So today is our first guest at our podcast, the Voice Givers Podcast. I'm so excited to have Colby on. Uh, Colby and I go pretty far back. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What year did you get married now? Uh, 2014. I don't like being quizzed on that. I, <laughs> I, I, I get very nervous on that. <laughs> so uh, back in the day, I used to do wedding photography. And yeah. Colby was one of the last weddings I did before transitioning out of that industry. Uh, but I got to uh, photograph your wedding. Yeah. And that was a beautiful day in San Diego. <laughs> I have just enjoyed since then getting to follow your career path, get to see you go through some different and unique opportunities. For sure. And this podcast is all about educating, equipping, and encouraging nonprofits and the people that make up nonprofits. And I just thought you'd be a great person to have. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to start just kind of diving into your story. Sure. A little bit of your background. And let's start back at college. So we both went to Cal Poly. Go Mustangs. I think I graduated the quarter that you started college. I think so, yes. um, From engineering, and I didn't use my degree. (laughs) Uh, But tell me a little bit about your, what did you go there to study? And do you feel like it's applicable to what you're doing now? Yeah. Uh, well, I do have to say thank you so much for having me on and being your very first guest. I feel very honored <laughs> in that way. Um, and it's been neat to to keep in touch with you over yeah. the years and hear how, how your mission and business has changed. I've always appreciated that about you, that you, you stay focused on uh, the moment and the mission. So um, thanks. That. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, but I, I went to Cal Poly and studied, uh, well, actually I started as a forestry major just cause I like trees a lot, Perfect. Um, <laughs> but, uh, quickly transitioned to social sciences. So at the time at Cal Poly, that was sociology, anthropology, and geography, just kind of all in one big giant major. Yeah. Um, at a lot of schools, those are three completely different disciplines. Uh, but I, I was really drawn to that because I like all of those things. Uh, and so that was, that was kind of an easy decision for me. Um, and uh, in terms of if, if I use it today or, um, have I used, uh, my degree? Um, I think, I think the, the, one of the reasons I was drawn to it really was because there are so many, uh, avenues that you can, you can go. Uh, and you know, I like talking about sociology. I love talking about anthropology. Um, but do, does that come up in conversation? Not a lot. Uh, maybe, you know, to be a little bit smart with some factoids here and there. Um, but I think the, the, I, the ways that I learned about humans and how yeah. society works, uh, I think that was a really good foundation for me uh, to doing a lot of different things. My career has been a lot of different things and yeah. uh, I've always felt comfortable doing that, maybe because a little bit of, of my background with that. Yeah. And so when you went into that, obviously you started in that forestry side and <laughs> yeah. shifted your way towards uh, the social sciences. Yeah. Did you have a career path in mind? Like when you graduated, did you know what you wanted to do? Uh, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, immediately, immediately. I mean, going into it. Um, I, 
I, we recently moved and I was looking back through, you know, all of my stuff as uh-huh. a kid and, <laughs> you know, I get totally distracted when I move and I just sit there and read all of my, my old, yeah. old things. Uh, but one thing that I did find was from middle school and it was what I hope to kind of be, uh, growing mm. up. And one of the things was I want to work at a nonprofit <laughs> and, really? and I showed it to my husband. He was like, how did you even know what a nonprofit <laughs> was as a middle schooler? And I was like, I have no idea. Uh, but that was, that was a goal of mine. Um, and, uh, graduating college, I think I had learned, um, I had learned a lot about a, a variety of different social issues. And one yeah. of the things uh, that I learned about after my second year of college uh, was the North Korean human rights and humanitarian crisis. Right. Um, and that was something that just stuck with me. And um, I've always kind of been drawn to those issues that are uh, maybe not popular to talk about or maybe not good dinner conversation, yeah. um, but how it might be a little bit complicated, but it's an, something that allows you to continue learning and to continue growing in. Um, and so when I graduated, I really, really wanted to work for Liberty North Korea and was, was able to, uh, as an intern and then as a staff member. So, uh, yeah, I felt really lucky that I was able to just find a passion and follow it, um, with that organization. So, how did you find the organization? Yeah. Uh, well, the organization kind of found me, I guess. Really? Um, in the sense of I was I was working at a summer camp um, yeah. and uh, Liberty North Korea used to have a tour program where they would go show a documentary um, and uh, fundraise and get kids excited uh, about the issue and raise awareness in that way. And so uh, at the summer camp I was working at, it was our last week. And um, one of the speakers said, hey, I, I found out about this great organization. They're going to be coming through this way. Can they come? And we were like, no, we, we, we've we been doing this for 10 weeks over the summer. We're like, we have this down. We don't want anything messing with it. Uh but they came and, yeah. uh, I, and my eyes were really opened. I, I kind of thought it was a hopeless issue. Mm. Um, and that's why I didn't want them to come and share this hopeless issue with high school students. But it ended up being that, that there was a lot of, uh, that there was hope, that there was an opportunity um, to raise awareness as a college student yeah. um, and participate in the organization in that way. And so, you know, I bugged all my professors by writing papers on North Korea when it totally didn't fit the assignment and, <laughs> and, and just continued educating myself yeah. uh, throughout that time. So when you started working there, what was your role and yeah. what were you trying to do? And also tell us a little bit about what it was the mission or, and is still the mission of Liberty North Korea. Yeah. So, uh, Link helps North Korean refugees uh, escape from China through basically a modern day underground railroad Mm. um, to Southeast Asia and then either uh, resettle in a third country or yeah, a third country, either um, the U.S. or South Korea um, in most cases. So uh, my job was on the fundraising and awareness side. Um, You know, as somebody that doesn't speak Korean um, or. so that was a, that was a really good opportunity for me to to not only do that, but then also travel a little bit too. I, I got to travel the Pacific Northwest as an as an intern mm. um, for the organization, uh, unpaid internship. You know, I raised a little bit of money for my friends and family to yeah. kind of help with that, um, but relied a lot on the generosity of 
donors and advocates of Link um, around that area. Um, and, you know, crashed on many, many a floor and uh, still thank those people uh, every chance I get. So uh, that was my first role there. And then um, immediately following that, I was on staff and managed a couple of those teams okay. um, for three different tours as as they went around North America. Yeah. Um, yeah. U.S. and Canada. So I got to go to Canada a couple times too. Nice. <laughs> International. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I loved what you said um, when you were first talking about Liberty North Korea, yeah. which was at that camp you thought, why would we want to hear about a hopeless? Right. Um, hopeless subject. Like it seems like something that you can't really make an impact in. Yeah. So I think in the nonprofit space, there are so many things that we are limited in because right. we just feel like we can't make change, whether that's attacking homelessness and trying to make it less. Like how do we reduce something that's so rampant? Right. Um, hunger issues, sex, uh, slavery, and mm -hmm. some of those, um, just terrible things that seem impossible. Um, why, how had going to this nonprofit or even just hearing them talk yeah. kind of help you to see that there is hope even in things that seem hopeless? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, I mean, I, I would say it actually started a little bit before that at that, at that same summer camp when, when I was on staff there and yeah. there were middle schoolers we had, we had actually showed, um, an invisible children documentary, um, yeah. just a short one, one day, uh, I think it was like the second week of camp. And we had this really intense conversation with some middle schoolers, uh, that I feel like I got a lot more out of that conversation <laughs> than maybe they did. Yeah. Um, but they really recognized their limitations, uh, mm. at being middle schoolers and, and weren't, um, uh, they, they knew, kind of what they could accomplish and where, right? Yeah. The world didn't, it was too huge to even think about, but they're like, hey, I'm from Stockton or I'm from <laughs> Fresno. Right. And let me think about that in my local community. Um, and that always stuck with me. Um, and when I feel hopeless about situations today, I think of, of them um, and I think of, uh, you know, the responsibility that you have to yourself, right? Um, yeah to it in my situation to God, you know, yeah, yeah. um, and, and what do, what can I be accountable for today? Hmm. Um, you know, that might be something really small. Um, and it might be something really big in other days. Uh, but, but that's kind of what, what drives me. Um, and what I think of, uh, I can't in, in Link in particular, um, I mean, they rescue individual people, right? Mm. They have, they've reached a big number, but right. uh, if you say, oh, a thousand people, you're like, wow, well, I can't, that's, that's cool, but how can I really participate in that? But it's like, well, there's, it, it, there's a literal price tag to, to being able to help with that rescue process. And if you're contributing to that, you're, you're contributing to that. Mm. I think that's really important to, to note. Um, and you also don't really know that chain effect, right? Right. Uh, you, where are the connections and where are the links, right? It's like, mm. I mean, you and I, we graduated from Cal Poly and here we are how many years later sitting yeah. in this room together. Um, but you think of the good that can be done 
just in those smaller moments. And, right. and when I get overwhelmed, I really focus on that. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I mean, being focused on today yeah. uh, is a huge, uh, right. a huge thing. And a conversation that my wife and I have been having recently where uh, we were just talking about this before uh, yeah. we got on here about we're in the process of adopting and we're doing it through the foster system and it's complicated. It's not guaranteed that we can adopt. Uh, and this little boy is as much our son as our biological daughters or mm -hmm. daughters. Mm -hmm. um, but we've just been trying to view it as like, Hey, we can't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Um, sometimes in this process, it feels hopeless and right. scary, um, but we can be the best parents we can be today. Right. Um, and I think that reminds me just kind of in the nonprofit sector as well. There's so many things that feel way too big um, mm -hmm. and way too scary and way too uncertain. Right. Um, but yeah, finding those specific things that you can do now right. uh, that you can be behind, um, I think really does make a huge impact. Yeah. Um, and as an individual working within the nonprofit, um, I think it just gives you more encouragement as yeah. you're moving forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's important to, to be honest about when you're like not feeling it as a, as a nonprofit tier, if you will, as, as, a, as somebody working in a nonprofit. Um, because like the mission is why you're there, but it's not going to be enough to sustain you like every single day. Mm. You're going hard every single day. And so you do have to find those little things that are meaningful. Um, yeah. You know, you have, you have your North star, uh, but sometimes you can get derailed or you, you know, you're facing everyday things. And, and so you do have to find those little things that, that bring you joy, bring you encouragement um, and drive you to where you need to be. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you were at Liberty, North Korea Yeah. and you transitioned out of there. And I don't remember if you had steps in between there and sure. Sunrise. There probably were some, but can you tell me what kind of led you to move on from that role? Yeah. And then uh, what brought you to fundraise? Yeah. Uh, so the role that I had at Liberty North Korea was always kind of intended to be um, this three tour thing. It's really intense. You spend a lot of hours, uh, you know, long, long hours. Um, and at the time that was, that was just like the role, right. Yeah. Um, uh, Link looks really different today and I encourage everybody to go check it out. They've got um, some really incredible media um, out there too. Uh, so I kind of always knew that was going to be, be the case. Um, and you know, in between I, I tried a bunch of different things. Like I said, I, I enjoy a lot of different things. I made ice cream professionally. Um, <laughs> I did, a, I did a lot. Um, but what drew me back to, to, I guess the nonprofit industry as a whole, yeah. um, was really that I, I, I wanted to have an impact and, and be in that those circles again, yeah. you know, be around people that were mission driven and were, uh, thinking about, you know, w these larger issues. Some of my best friends are from link and still are. Uh, and so I, I wanted to be around 
people that were striving for the best and they're really different. There were, we always, you know, we argue about different social issues. We argue about, you know, a lot of things, uh, but we're, we're very like-minded in, in a lot of ways. And so, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to be around that again. It was, it was kind of, those are my people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong on this, sure. but fundraise is on the vendor side. Yeah. They are a for-profit supporting nonprofits, yep. correct? Yes. So going from the for or nonprofit yeah. to making ice cream <laughs> sure. to uh, then supporting nonprofits, yeah. um, what was it like being on that vendor side and what did you learn through that experience? Yeah, yeah. So I was really at fundraise at kind of the ground level um, and was the first salesperson and was the first of a lot of things in the, in that company. Uh, and, you know, I, I really, the way that I did things there was, was I found the organizations I really loved, um, and explained the product. I really believe in the product and, and think fundraise is really great. So, um, I, I wanted them to be part of it and I wanted to work with them. <laughs> you know, it was, it was kind of a part of me that was just like, I just like you a lot, you know? Um, and, and so that, but it was a big transition, right? It's yeah. like, okay, well they're you, selling to nonprofits is, is a weird thing as you, as you Absolutely. know. Um, and, uh, you simultaneously, I think there's, there's a bit of the nonprofit industry that, um, I wouldn't say like needs to change, but needs to really value, um, things that, that will impact their, their organizations for the better. Right. And, and, and value that with financial investment, people investment. Um, and so fundraise is definitely one of those products that people, uh, you know, if they want to be tech savvy and have great donation forms and have really great peer to peer campaigns and all of that fun stuff, like they come to us. And so, um, that was neat to be part of where kind of technology and the nonprofit sector meet um, and and have an impact there and, and and see the funds raised, you know, from, from organizations that I really love, like Innocence Project and Partners Relief and Development, like all of these organizations that are, I respect and give to and everything uh, to see them, you know, lift uh, in a way because of the product is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. In, I mean, obviously you, you mentioned just working in the nonprofit sector in general, it, part of that is because you want to have a purpose driven, yeah. um, mission focused career path. Right. right. Um, do you feel like when you were at fundraise, mm-hmm. um, it was obviously for profit, sure. but supporting nonprofits, do you think that it helped you to maintain that feeling of purpose and mission? Mm, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I that's a good question. I'll, uh, I got to think about that one. I think it's it's something that um, you know it allowed me being on the for profit side to give more generously to the organizations that I I, I love, and so that was really nice. Um, and I was introduced to a lot of them consistently. Right. And so, uh, it was really neat to kind of meet my heroes (laughs) in that way and, and see the people that are on the front lines of, of fundraising in really unique ways and really impactful ways. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I felt like there was a piece of it that was missing for me. I don't think, uh, um, 
I think there's a lot of um, purpose in that work. Yeah, um, but I think there was a piece of it that was that was missing for me, um, where I really wanted to be on like more of the front lines of it than right. um, just the technology side. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the beauties of being in a role like you were, yeah. though, is that you do get to not only like you said, meet some of the heroes and kind of be around the people that you already admire the yeah. mission that they're doing. But I'm sure you get introduced to nonprofits and yeah. and things that you didn't even know about. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we can only handle so much, I feel like when it comes to like change and like helping others. Like if you put this laundry list of causes mm-hmm. and just read them one after one, uh, back to back, I think most of us would have a panic attack. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, But I think when you take it in bite-sized chunks and over time you start like hearing about these different things, whether or not you uh, outside of fundraise and outside of the work side of things can directly have an impact on each of them, you probably can't, but you can have an impact both in work, but also through your network, right? right? There's going to be people, there's going to be a cause that comes up that you're like, man, this reminds me of my best friend. Right. They've always had a heart yeah, for this. absolutely. And you can connect them with that. Yes. And so I think there's a lot of beauty in that side yes. when you get introduced to so many. Yeah. Um, That's a great point. That's a really great point. I know. I think there's, there's so many organizations out there that are like matching your existing passion with something really great. You know, there's yeah. like so many surfing oriented organizations, more than you can count. It's like, but if there's, and there's probably something else you care about on the flip side. And it's, it's like that Beekner quote, right? Where, uh, I'll, I'll butcher it, but you can look it up later. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the world's greatest, uh, what, do you know it? The I passion. Don't. Oh I'm, man. I'm ready for okay. It. Okay. Uh, yes. Frederick Beekner, great, great theologian and yeah. writer. Um, it's basically that like the world's, uh, need and your passion, um, go together. Right. Um, it's, it's, they're, they're symbiotic in a way that, um, it, it makes something really beautiful. And so if you're able to do that with an organization, um, I think it's a great volunteer opportunity. It's a great way to get introduced to an organization. If you're not really familiar with the nonprofit space, find something that you like, um, either on the cause side or on your hobby side and, 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 Go for it. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Pairing those things yeah. can be hard sometimes, yes. but if you figure <laughs> out ways to do that, yeah, it's so life-giving. For sure. Um, so before we jump into where you're at now, sure. um, I want to talk about volunteering or being on a board or being involved because there's ways that you can be involved in a nonprofit, even if you're not working for them. Right. Of course. Um, yeah. And I believe that you have done some of that or continue to do that with other nonprofits as well. So what has that looked like for you as you've balanced having the work side, but also still having these other causes that you care dearly about? Um, How have you found ways to be involved in that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm on the board. Um, of an organization called Rising Tide in okay. Long Beach. Um, that's a youth mentorship program um, and t- one-on-one tutoring and all sorts of other things. It's kind of impossible to say all the things <laughs> that Rising Tide does, but uh, it's a great organization. And um, 
my husband's a teacher and so, uh, and a math and physics teacher. And so once they found that out, they're like, please, we need you tomorrow. Come tutor. Cause none of us know all this calculus and stuff that students are, are, are studying. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the way that we got introduced. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny. I don't, I don't really think of like my work, uh, today working for a nonprofit and, and rising tide or these other causes that I'm passionate about as, as competing. Um, they're yeah. really just different parts of things that I'm really passionate about. And, and like you were saying before, you know, there's this, you could have this whole laundry list of all the things that are wrong with the world and, and get really overwhelmed by that. And I do get really overwhelmed by that. Yeah. Um, but I think the important thing is that you dig into the things that, that really irk you or, or that you really are passionate about, um, and dig into those things deeply. Uh, it's, it's easy to kind of go with the cause of the day, but study hard on, on those issues that you're passionate about and find people that you look up to, um, and, and dig into them. Um, but uh, I mean, for rising tide, it, it's great. It's been great to be on the board. And, um, yeah. I, I, I'm the youngest person on the board as well. I think there's a lot of boards out there that really want to learn how to be tech savvy or learn, right. you know, how to market well or use social media and everything. And they, they need somebody on, on, on the board to, to help them do that. And so, um, that's been a neat avenue. I, I, you know, build the fundraising campaigns on fundraise that help the nonprofit that I'm on the board of. And so that's, that's been cool too. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so that's been really fun to, you know, do one-on-one -on -one tutoring with students. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like it's a completely different part of my brain and part of my heart that, that's, that's involved in, in Rising Tide. Yeah. And it's nice to use those different parts. Yeah. Um, I mean, coming from, I have an engineering degree, right. uh, that I did not use <laughs> at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I can't tell you how, how many times I'll be in the midst of doing whatever I'm working on and I'll have to go to a spreadsheet for something and it just gets me so excited. It shouldn't get me that excited, uh, but the engineering in me that's, is still yeah, in there somewhere that's, yeah. and I'll probably figure out how to use it productively someday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but so now you are at Serum. Yes. And you've been there for coming up on a year. Uh, before you really dive into what you do with Serum. Can you talk about the overall mission of yeah. Serum? Yeah. Serum's amazing. I, I, as you were talking about finding out about all these different organizations when I was at Fundraise, Serum is actually one of those organizations that I kind of like had heard of in a way. Um, they, one of the founders, Kia has an incredible Ted talk from 2020. Um, and they were part of this thing called the audacious project that really funds super innovative, uh, organizations that they think can have like a world changing impact, which I know it sounds very nonprofit-y, whatever, yeah. but, uh, the organizations there are, are really, really cool. And so I picked up on that, um, and had kind of heard of them in that way. Uh, but serum, uh, really deals with medication access in the US. Um, so it was an issue I I'm, was not familiar with. I don't come from a healthcare background or knowing folks in the healthcare space much at all. Um, 
but really quickly learned that there's a whole surplus of meds that exist um, in the U.S. that end up getting destroyed. Um, and so that affects our water systems, that affects, I mean, that that iniquity in and of itself. That we know that on the other side of that, there's a lot of people that need life-saving medications that can't afford them, right? And have to make these really hard decisions around do I buy food or pay rent or medication, um, right? And so, and a lot of times, you know, that ends up being kind of the last thing. Um, so serum helps with that. Um, so basically my job is to get those unused medications um, that would be destroyed uh, and, and make sure that they're able to get donated and, um, I use donation there in not a fundraising way, but yeah, in yeah. A, they donate the physical meds themselves. Um, and then we, uh, on the other side, work with charitable pharmacies across the U.S. Mm. and get them to folks that need them um, for free. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's such, it sounds like when you explain it like that, it yeah. sounds simple. Yeah. But it is so complex. <laughs> yeah, like it's the legal side of things. Oh, yeah. Um, the health uh, and regulation side of that, like there's got to be so many complex moving pieces. Yeah. Um, and you guys take donations from like hospitals and those kind of things, but you also take it from individuals as well, correct? Yeah. So that's, that's one of the parts that gets really complicated. Every yeah. state is, has a different law associated mm. with it. So there's no federal law that says, Hey, everybody can donate meds. Maybe one day there will be, that yeah, would yeah. be really great and make my job a lot easier. So <laughs> if there's any Congress people listening, <laughs> please make that happen. Um, but, uh, and that's not, I'm not lobbying by the way, right there. Um, this was not lobbying. This was not lobbying. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, it's really state by state. Uh, it totally depends. It's something I would recommend checking out, uh, your state law about or, or serum. Um, that's a great resource too. It's S I R U M. So you found out about them through, uh, your time at fundraise. Yeah. I, I mean, going along with just looking at or, or innovative organizations that I knew were doing really cool things. And, you know, I, <laughs> but Kia that I mentioned, one of the co-founders of Serum that had the Ted talk, um, when I started at Serum, I saw that I had a pending LinkedIn request to her and I was like, Oh no, this is so embarrassing because I totally added her, you know, when I was at fundraise and just really thought her organization was cool. So like, Oh no. Um, but, uh, <laughs> So I couldn't, I couldn't re-add her, but <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, I had found out about them in that process, um, of just researching, researching, mm. researching of organizations that I thought would be a good fit for, for fundraise, but, um, yeah. you know, ones that I ended up really admiring along the yeah. way. So here's an, uh, curveball question. Okay. Uh, Hit me hopefully, with it, hopefully it's not too hard, uh, <laughs> but obviously like, for purpose-driven and passionate people, yeah. like we want to follow mission, right? We want to have something that feels like we're doing something that makes an impact mm -hmm. outside of just ourself. But that is super important, but it's also important to have people you're working with that actually you're excited to work with. Sure. Um, like someone could have such a great mission and vision, but they're just not, not fun to work with, right? right? Or right. they're just, they don't, lead a team. They don't really drive. So how important is that for you 
in your uh, career path yeah. to have a team that you're actually excited to work with? Yeah. And how does that help you achieve those missions even more? Yeah. I would say that that is like tied with the mission itself for me. Um, that's really important. I think because of probably my, my first work experience at a nonprofit outside of college, it's like, I, you know, I'm still on a text thread with, with you know, my closest friends from there. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's probably left a really lasting impact on me. Um, I think, it, you know, when I was working at, at Liberty North Korea and I was managing interns that were super passionate about North Korea. And I, I remember having this conversation with, with somebody and they were having all this, you know, like bickering conflict and this team that was traveling to say, okay, North Korea needs to be free and all this stuff. Right. And then I'm like, if you guys can't figure this out, you know, and you're in your little circle right here, <laughs> like, how do you think we're going to figure out North Korea? Um, so I think it's really important to, uh, as, as an organization, as a leader within an organization to focus on getting the right people. Um, I mean, sometimes I, I know that limitations within organizations, right. That might be a financial limitation, but it's important to have good people first and foremost. Um, and, and build up their strengths from there and, and remind yourself that you're there as an organization leader to build up those strengths and make sure that you're equipping them with more and more tools um, and that they're not getting bored or burnt out or right. whatever. And that as somebody working at an organization that you're continually sharpening those skills and um, investing in your, your teammates, yeah. um, whether you have a leader there that's doing it or not, right. um, so that you're able to sustain yourself with those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's not, it's not just the mission, like right. there's more to it. And when you have people pulling together in one direction, yeah. uh, joyfully, yeah. uh, and obviously with hard things that you're dealing with, it's not always joy filled, right. but when you can do that collaboratively, it can make such a big impact, not only on the team, um, but on the volunteers mm -hmm. and getting people excited for volunteering, um, even in fundraising, like right. when people can see that you're not just trying to do this because it's a big need, but that you're passionate yeah. um, and collectively working together, yeah, um, it can make such a profound impact. Yeah. I, I think back to Invisible Children back mm -hmm. in the day and... Uh, I knew quite a few interns who interned there and they got so many interns just because they built a really cool program, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it was the cool kids, the <laughs> hipsters, the people who wanted to live on the road. I don't know yes. what it was about it, but, yeah. but they built a culture um, that invited people to be a part of a mission. Yeah. And even if they couldn't be paid to do it, right. people were excited to be a part of that. So, and I mean, simultaneously, they built a really great pipeline of talent to hire from, mm -hmm. you know, later on um, people that were really, ex that were familiar with the organization and then really excited to work for them after college or, you know, later um, down the line as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I recently went to uh, an event for an organization called Border Angels and that's it, everything that you just said was the exact sense that I got from them. Um, 
every every single part of their staff, you could tell they were uh, they're a really passionate group of people and they're dealing with really hard things. Um, but they support each other. And, and, and I just got that sense from the leadership to the social media managers, to everybody that I spoke to there is, is really neat to experience as somebody who, you know, is given a little bit of money, but was at my first event, um, with them. So it was, it was really neat. Yeah. So I want to take sort of a, uh, a step back yeah. and take a look at what you wish you knew before entering the nonprofit space. Yeah. Yeah. What I wish I knew. Um, I, I, I wish I, I was okay with the burnout feelings that, mm. or at least knew, Hey, sometimes you're going to feel burnt out. It's just a fact. Like nobody's happy in their job 100% of the time, no matter what their job is, right? And I think in nonprofit, you have this added layer of kind of pressure on yourself sometimes to feel super passionate. And um, passion's important, but some days that's not what's going to drive you. Um, and and I, I wish I had known that, you know. Uh, I feel you know, from my first nonprofit job to now, I feel much more stable in that. Um, and sometimes stuff just needs to get done, you know, yeah. and that's just the fact of the matter. Yeah. Uh, and you can learn the things that make you excited and learn the things that reinvigorate you. Mm. Um, if that's what you need, but some people just need to just do the job, you know, and right. that, and you might have, in the back of your head, hey, I'm I'm doing this because it's something that I'm I'm passionate about. And I know is going to have a good impact on the world or on the community. Um, but it's okay if it's not the forefront all the time. It's, yeah. it is okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. Others might might feel differently, but for me, um, what's sustainable is is being a consistent person day in day out, um, no matter how I feel about the issue that day or, um, you know, something hard can happen at the organization and, and that can be really devastating. Um, but it's, it's important that, that you have your, your kind of level, uh, yeah. in some, in some ways. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a tough thing to work through, especially yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, whether it's in your organization and following your mission, um, you know, whether it's a faith-based thing and trying to be passionate about your faith, whatever that area is, I think sometimes we can feel guilty if we don't have drive all the time and that passion. Um, but I don't think passion and purpose Mm. are synonymous. Yeah, Like I think that they can really help each other. Um, but yeah, I think what you talked about very early on in our conversation, just about finding those small things in the daily that you can focus on achieving. Sometimes that's all you can do Mm -hmm. when the passion's not there. Mm -hmm. Um, but guilt comes when the passion disappears, Right. at least for myself. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's those times where I just feel guilty. Um, but you can't be passionate all the time. Right unless you're someone like Gary Vaynerchuk or one of those people who just is always right. bubbles like, uh, and you know, it, to a level, it's a facade and right. all people right. deal with that burnout and yeah. lack of passion. Just some people 
are good at putting a facade on yeah. better than others. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a great tip for especially someone who's considering going into the nonprofit space is to be ready and willing mm-hmm. um, to not always feel excited about the mission that you're accomplishing. I, I mean, I would also say too, it's important to be willing to wear a lot of different hats. If you're not in the nonprofit space, this you're this might be a little less familiar, but you're you know, you might be asked to, hey, you gotta be a graphic designer today and <laughs> and go use Canva and figure out how to do it and yeah. here's our colors and go. Yeah. Um or, you know, like Google AdWords, you know, nonprofits get a ton mm. of free Google AdWords. Right. Uh, and there needs to be somebody to take advantage of that. Um, and that might be you, you know, you, you can learn a new skill, uh, and take ownership over things, especially if you're at a small nonprofit, right? If we're talking about the Red Cross or something, somebody's in charge of all that. But, uh, if you're at a small nonprofit, um, or volunteering even at a small nonprofit, uh, there's a lot that you can take ownership over, um, and that you can, whether you're going to be there a long time or not take that and run with it, you know? Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's a bit of encouragement to like learn something and go with it. (laughs) So for you, is that intimidating or is that like life giving and exciting to dive into things that aren't your direct background? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it can be frustrating, right? You're like, this isn't what I was hired to do. And I have all these (laughs) other things to do. Right. Um, but I think most of the time it's like, okay, I, I, I like to be a person of, of range, you know, yeah. I don't want to just be stuck doing one thing. If I had to just do my job every single day, I'd be like, okay, well, this is getting kind of boring. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it does give you an opportunity to have some fun, mm-hmm. learn something new. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I like having the variety myself. Um, so it's, it's a fun time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And I'm sure that's the same as a small business owner too. It's a uh, yes. lot of parallels there. <laughs> yeah. I've worn way too many hats, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> many hats that I did not want to wear, Right, <laughs> but you just got to do. Right. Um, so one of the things that I find profoundly important for a nonprofit is story. Mm. Uh, story is profoundly important just for humans in general. That's one of the ways that we engage with people in a day-to-day basis. Um, but not necessarily every role in nonprofit knows how to utilize story. Do you find for yourself, uh, you know, you've been in a fundraising kind of role. Um, you've been in a role to help others fundraise. And then now you are helping bring in donations of medications uh, that can be distributed. Um, do you see story being an important part of your role in these different organizations? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the fundraising side, obviously that's critical. Uh, you know, there's plenty of data out there, ironically talking about data and storytelling that says storytelling is better than data. Um, (laughs) so, uh, I mean, you can throw numbers at people all day long, but it's not, it's not going to matter to them until they have a face. Um, or if you're at an organization that can't show people's faces, you know, uh, some way of connecting with the issue that's, that's important to them. 
yeah, I think it's, it's extremely important in every aspect of, of the organization. I mean, maybe if you're, you know, on the finance side or something like that, it's, you don't see it in the day to day, but it is one of those things that drives you, right? It's one of those little things that you can pick up on. I remember one of my first days at Serum, um, somebody had made a donation, uh, after, their mother had passed away, um, and was able to donate their medications, um, that, you know, had ended up not being used oncology meds, I believe. Um, and so the, you know, cancer medications are really, really expensive. And, uh, this individual was like, I know that my mom is smiling down from heaven because these meds are going to somebody that needs them. Right. And like, that was like my first day or something that's here. And I'm like crying on the zoom call. Um, but that, that's stuff that sticks with you. Right. Um, and it gives you meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, those are just, I think of that as, you know, those are probably 20 to 40 pills in this grand scheme of all of serum's work of, you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of donated medication. Um, and, and that's one of the things that is more impactful to me than thinking about the increased number of, of meds, right. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you can think about this large problem. Right. And you can think about the impact that it has. Because obviously in that story, like you said, the amount of pills is insignificant if you look at the full problem, right? It's not insignificant, but like in the grand scheme of things. Right. Um, but it's those stories that actually drive the relatability mm-hmm. of the problem. And, um, you know, just as important as that side of the story is, there's the other side that you may not know personally yet of the person that got those pills, right. um, who's going through cancer, and that made a drastic impact on their well being. Right. And so, all those different kinds of stories. Yeah really can have a huge impact on others realizing like, Hey, this seems small or insignificant, but it can actually make a big help. So that'll help you guys get more donations on the medicine side, Mm -hmm. but it'll also help you on the financial side of people being like, wow, I didn't realize what a problem it was with all these medications just going down the drain. Um, and that this can actually make an impact positive on multiple sides, both sides of the coin. Right. Um, so that's really cool. That's a, that's a cool story, especially in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. To kind of get you on board. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was just something that naturally happened to happen that, that day. Right. You know, um, it wasn't like, here's this big impactful story. It was just a small thing that, that I was like, okay, I'm where, where I need to be right now. (laughs) That's a good feeling to have. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of times we question, all right, yes. am I where I need <laughs> yes. to be? I remember after college, I moved to Portland, Oregon. Mm. Uh, I helped start a church up there. And that first night I was there was the closest I've ever had to a panic attack. Yeah. Just wondering, am I in mm. the right place? Mm. And, um, and sometimes we're going to have those moments where we don't really know if it's right, we just have to move forward. Right. Um, but it sure is nice when you get that, <laughs> yeah. that feeling. It's like, a rare little fleeting moment of, <laughs> of, okay, this is, this is good and correct yeah. for, for this time. Yes. And luckily for me, I slept it off. Yes. I was good <laughs> and I felt, <laughs> felt like I was in the right place, right. but there's those times where you're like, 
what did I do? Yeah, what did I sign up for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so with Voice Givers and Voice Givers Academy, the hope is really to have an impact not only on nonprofit leaders and people really building and growing nonprofits, but also the individuals who make up mm. nonprofits. And not only that, the people who are, let's say they're a high schooler, they're in college, or even in the great recession, as they're calling it, people who have been in a normal for-profit job, but are reevaluating. Um, my hope is that this podcast can be an encouragement to those people who are considering moving into a mission-driven or purpose-driven nonprofit. Um, so if you were to give, to kind of close out this podcast sure. today, if you were to give advice uh, to yourself as a college <laughs> student, to someone who's considering moving into the nonprofit space, what would you say yeah. to encourage them? Oh, I love that mission. Um I want to sit down with all of those people <laughs> and have a cup of coffee. I'd be very caffeinated by the end of that, but that would be really nice. Um, no, I mean, I, I remember, uh, one of the first, I guess, nonprofit activities that I did was, uh, the global night commute, which was a invisible children event, um, nationwide, um, and I was in high school. I had a really wonderful youth leader um, that encouraged us a lot in service and activism. And uh, so we went to this event that included us as high schoolers sleeping in Balboa Park in San Diego. Um, and then uh, we took the train back the next morning. Um, and, you know, I, I was like, oh, that was cool, whatever. But then we're walking through downtown San Diego in the morning. And... Uh, the issue of, well, seeing folks that were homeless and didn't have a chance to go back to their house. And yeah, yeah. after I just did this like, you know, cool thing, activism thing. Right. Um, and that's not to put down that event at all. Yeah, it's no. more just noticing kind of for the first time in my life at that point, uh, like, oh, there's, there's folks that are sleeping out here. Um, and don't have access to a shower or a bathroom or, you know, all these different things that I just take for granted. And um, that was really formative for me. And so I would just say, you know, pay attention to the things that you are participating in, um, how it moves you, you know, something we, we grew up in a, with invisible children to really look up to and, and have kind of a, as that model. Um, but stuff doesn't always have to be cool for you, to, for you to be involved in it. Right. And, and just find something that, um, if it pricks at your heart, like invest in that, think about that. Um, don't let it go. You know, that led my sister and I to creating a, uh, weekly dinner in the park in San Luis Obispo yeah. for homeless folks and, and students. Like that's, that was the, that was, you know, several years later, five years later. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how old I was seven years later. Um, but that was the impact, the lasting impact of mm. that. And it wasn't something that, um, you know, was cool or, social media driven or anything like that. Uh, but just do the next right thing, you know, mm. do the next right thing for, uh, your community. And I know that's not, you know, we weren't in a nonprofit setting necessarily. Right. Um, 
on the the latter half of that. Yeah. But I think it's important to kind of focus on what's important to you. Um, and, and maybe, maybe something's complicated or, uh, over your head. Um, you know, don't do anything stupid, but also do something that, uh, is going to have a real impact in your community and start yeah. there and don't, you don't have to, uh, only have an international impact. I think a lot mm. of young folks, young folks, um, <laughs> want to, you know, have this worldwide impact. And I think start in your local community. If you can't be nice to the person sitting next to you, I just don't really think you can be nice to the person across the world. It's, it, they're a very safe person to love, you know? Um, I would, I would say focus on your community. Um, and, and that's kind of a way to like, for lack of a better term, like hone your craft as a nonprofiteer too. Um, whether you're going to be on a fundraising side or, you know, the, the programmatic side, uh, there's a lot that you can do to just interact in your community and, and start there, start small. Yeah. So do you think with that, it looks more like try volunteering, try engaging and just kind of doing it outside of work yeah. first and then kind of find. Or? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I think the, the, you know, the big quit of your job is like very romanticized in a lot yeah. of ways. And then, and then, you know, you go do this other thing and might get burnt out or, um, you know, just experience a lot of unexpected right. things that are really different from the for-profit sector to the nonprofit. And by the way, I think the for-profit sector could learn a lot from the nonprofit sector as yeah. well. But yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I would say, I would say absolutely volunteer, mm. join a board, um, give, give money, uh, you know, yeah. fundraise for an organization, use your connections. If you've got a lot of connections, um, bring your friends and family into it. I would say don't do things in isolation, you know, um, if you're excited about something and there's a community around it, like ask to be part of it. I know that that a lot of that is putting yourself out there in a way that you might be a little bit uncomfortable with. Yeah. Um, but you'll, you'll learn a lot more that way. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great advice. <laughs> makes me think a little bit about, the conversation I had with Bob Goff mm. a little bit back and yeah. he was talking about how he started Love Does. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes when we see an organization that's doing really well, we just naturally assumed like they, they just jumped off the cliff and yeah. were like, Hey, I'm going to make this nonprofit <laughs> yeah. and like quit, throw everything aside, yeah. throw, yes. burn all my bridges. Yes. Like it's nonprofit or die. Yeah. Um, but Bob was talking about how, he just had a passion for these things and he would just do it on the side. Mm -hmm. Like he was still a lawyer yeah. doing that. He was like, and he also in our conversation was saying like, you don't need to just like, like if you're trying to start a nonprofit, not necessarily go work for one, but right. start one. He's like, if you have, if you want to go give some couches uh, to people in Mexico, he's like, just load up your truck with a couple couches, go do it. Don't start a nonprofit. Right. A hundred percent. And so I think there is a lot of valor and value um, in taking the time to kind of research and get to know yeah. the nonprofits or the cause 
that you have passion for. Right. Um, and really see how you can make an impact before it's a job or a role. Mm-hmm. And then probably then it's better to evaluate. You know, maybe that is where those opportunities come up. Right. Through your network. Um, like for Serum, how did that job arise? You know, I... They asked me during my interview process and I honestly couldn't even remember then. I think it was, <laughs> I, I think I might've seen it, uh, um, on LinkedIn initially actually, but I, I mean, on the website, it was like a great combination of yeah. sales and non and, you know, fundraising and all these different types of things that I, I was familiar with. But, but I'm sure you found out about it through your network and growing yeah. that network into that sector. Yeah. Um, and so I think just getting out there and getting involved is... Huge. And I love what you said about including your community. Yeah. Like bringing people, don't be siloed and do it all alone. Yeah. Um, that'll build the passion side too. Yep. Uh, and the resource side, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, I, I think a lot of folks want to kind of just, it's their passion, it's their idea, it's their, you know, but yeah. I think you need diverse ideas and experiences to make something good, you know, Mm -hmm. it can't just be your own self thinking, you know, what's best for somebody else. That's terrible to do that. You know, um, if you're not actively involved in the communities Mm. that you're working with, you're, you're not going to know what to do, um, at all. So I, yeah, just start small and, and, uh, learn a lot. Yeah. Well, I think before we end, I'd love for you to, for people who are listening, who want to learn about Serum mm. or Liberty North Korea yeah, um, or even fundraise sure. or salt and straw, but, <laughs> but throw out the ice cream. No. Uh, but uh, where can they go to learn more about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Liberty North Korea is libertynorthkorea.org. Um, they, like I said, they've got a really great media presence and I think you might've, you'll probably have missed it by this time, but they are doing a BTS, uh, giveaway. If you're not familiar with K-pop, um, they are doing that. So (laughs) biggest band in the world. Uh, but yes, there's a, they're really fun to follow. Um, and they've got some really great media if that's, if that's what you're into and want to learn more about. Um, and then serum is serum.org, S-I-R-U-M.org. Um, and you can find Kia's Ted talk on Ted.com. I think, uh, Kia Williams is her name, um, which I would highly recommend. And, uh, uh, fundraise is fundraise.org as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, all great places to learn about, um, nonprofits and see very different approaches too. I would also say, um, I think, you know, serum is, is not, uh, focused on the marketing side as much as, as link is. And so you're, you do get a sense of, of different approaches, um, between fundraising and marketing and, you know, what is being shared. And so it's, it's a, it's a good, good way to kind of assess what you're interested in on that side yeah, too. That's awesome. Well, Colby, I'm so grateful that you would come on, be our first guest, (laughs) uh, get to have this great conversation. And I really do hope that some people listening to this are kind of considering moving into the space of nonprofits. And uh, I just hope that this is encouraging to someone out there trying to work through what does it mean to live out a purpose-filled job, career, um, 
and a purpose-driven life mm-hmm. and recognizing that that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in the nonprofit sector, right. um, but there are a lot of great opportunities, whether it's volunteering or even working in the sector mm-hmm. uh, to make an impact. Um, but I'm grateful for you coming on and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to continue to see where you take serum and what the cool things that are that happen there. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. I feel so honored to be the first (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to see how this podcast develops too. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that's it for this episode of, uh, the voice givers podcast. (laughs) Thanks Colby. Thanks Greg. 